0: Greetings to the wisdom community. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. We are continuing our series entitled Introduction to Biblical Thought. It's part three. And today, our guest will be Professor Jacqueline Goff McNish. I invite you to visit the website at www.rev.jstuartglover.com and post your comments and feedback on these sessions. And for those listening in on the Wisdom app, you can post your comments in the chat. Now, since this is an uh, introductory level ref- reflection, we're, we're going to move past the historical books and into the songs. Now this this move should in no way take away from the importance of reading the history narratives. The historical accounts capture the journey of God's people, including their uh, liberation from slavery, the journey to the promised land, their, their battles, military encounters, and certainly their willingness to turn away from their covenant relationship with God and align themselves with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. But today we're going to be exploring the Psalms. Now the Psalms have been referred to as the hymn book of the Jewish faith tradition. We know that the the Old Testament has five books of the law. And in the same way, the Psalms have been divided into five parts that make up the entire collection of Psalms. 150 spiritual songs and poems, used by God's people in all ages in worship services and devotional exercises, both private and public. It was used as the hymn book of the second temple. The the Psalms capture the innermost expression of faith and trust in God by different writers in the midst of turbulent, violent, troublesome times, just like we are experiencing today. So today we're gonna take a look at the 23rd Psalm whose authorship is attributed to David. I wanna thank Jacqueline Goff McNish for being in the room. She's here, she's ready to go, and I'm excited. So Jackie, thanks for coming in.
1: Okay, nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, yes, it's always a pleasure. It's been an exciting series thus far. So maybe we should start out by just reading Um, the 23rd Psalm. It's not that long, and perhaps we can just read it. And um, Jackie, would you like to read it?
1: Oh, no problem. Yes. I'm reading the King James Version. Great. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever
0: thank you so much for reading that and and again we note that um professor jacqueline is reading from the king james version so where do we start this is a a a (coughs) well-known passage it's a well-known very popular passage i think um uh, even people with a uh, minimal exposure to the biblical text have heard this. but today we're going take we're going to dive in with a deeper look. So when I ask the question, where can we start? the best place to start is at the beginning. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jackie, do you have any thoughts that you would share on, on that very opening?
1: Yes, yes, yes. So, so I hear a few things. I hear that it begins with the Lord. When we think of the word Lord as used to describe God, it usually denotes a relationship. Because someone, you're not just calling someone a name, you're talking about some sort of positionality. So you are Lord over my life. I see you as in control and I am submitting to your Lordship. So I think that's the first place that David sort of says to us that to begin this discussion, to 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 recognize who God is, he wants to see him as Lord. So I, I think the second word gets us going. But Maybe. then he says, then he says, is, as in the present tense, not will be, not was, but. Is and it says my shepherd. So it's it's a personal thing now. So the Lord who have given lordship over my life is in the present tense, forever in the present tense, my shepherd. I'm gonna stop there. Go ahead, Jay. I could go on.
0: Uh, amen. Listen, that was good. I, I got two P's. You know, I, I might get a sermon out of this. <laughs> I got positionality and personal. Wow. Okay. So,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: but here, here, here's another thing. You know, I like, um, when you said it's this, the present tense, the Lord is the writer declares that the, the Lord is with an emphasis on the is, it doesn't say the Lord is thinking about being my shepherd or he wants to be my shepherd or sometimes he is my shepherd, but he declares his, his relationship with God by saying the Lord is my shepherd. And then, of course, we're introduced to the word, to the my, the personal and the word shepherd. So when I think about shepherd, when he describes the Lord as shepherd, we have to think of the relationship and function of the shepherd and his relationship with the sheep. So so how maybe we can talk about the the function of the shepherd.
1: Yes, yes, Uh, because the shepherd, you know, um, uh, recognizing that David is using an agrarian imagery, recognize that he's speaking the language of the people who he's addressing, Mm -hmm. because they would totally understand who a shepherd is. So that's the, the first part of this. But when we look at the function of the shepherd, what does the shepherd do? The shepherd not just controls the sheep, but the shepherd protects the sheep. The shepherd has an intimate relationship with the sheep because if he calls the sheep by name or he just says, you sheep over there, they will recognize his voice, not just as a voice of of authority, but a voice of care. So the shepherd has multiple functions, but they all seem to be in an effort to respond to what is best for the sheep. And, and I sort of pause at respond because the, she- the shepherd is making sure that what is best for the sheep is what they're doing. Whether it's to control them, or to protect them. And later we're going to see uh, some more about that when we get to um, thy rod and thy staff. We're going to talk a little bit more about that.
0: Well, I, um, when I think about the function of the shepherd, as you, as you mentioned, I see a protector. Uh, I see a provider, a, a leader, a guider, and a caretaker. The, the the shepherd is watching over the sheep, caring for them on and off the field, as they say. And because of all of these qualities and functions of the shepherd, the writer of this song, who, who the attributed author is David, he can go on to say, um, I shall not want and And I'll just open the door for the for this um conversation, Jackie. I'm saying that because of the providential care of the shepherd, all the needs of the shepherd or all the needs of the sheep, future and present are met. So we have to think about this in terms of um our position um with ourselves and God as our shepherd
1: uh, but uh, and. Notice that it says, I shall not want. Not, I shall not need, but I shall not want. Which I think is powerful. Because then you want to ask yourself, what is it I will not want? And there is no doubt in my mind that it is total. It's almost like God is saying that this big little large small important unimportant whatever it is i shall not want i shall not want i shall not have an overwhelming desire which will leave me frustrated is what want suggests to me mm-hmm. and, and
0: and and it also speaks to um the shepherd taking care of their needs as opposed to you know for us personally now nowadays right um we can think about god meeting our needs and not necessarily the the wants of our imagination like you know oh i want a uh a rolls royce to drive around in so he's not necessarily concentrate or uh, focusing on the the wants in those um in that regard but but certainly our spiritual needs are met and, and
1: and Sorry, finish your sentence. No,
0: I said our spiritual needs are met in Christ.
1: And, and when I hear I shall not want, it, it also reminds me of some other scriptures. Um, God will supply all your need according to your, his riches in glory um, and other scriptures. But what do I really want is the question I want to ask. What I really want is to be a child of God. What I really want is to have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. What I really want is to be total, is to totally realize fulfillment in God. That's what I want. So all the other stuff, uh, the Rolls Royce, or, and I'm not into that stuff because I can hardly drive the car I have, but all the other stuff is nothing. In comparison to God, as my Father, God as uh, as my Shepherd, you know that's what I think when I think of I shall not want.
0: I think that um, when you said, "What do you really want?" So the deepest desire of your heart is to be in communion with God. Yes, and 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 that is so important because often we think of we associate a negative. Um, connotation with our desire and but our desires I believe our deepest and purest desires are actually a gift from God you want to be in your innermost being you want to be in communion with God you want to be a child of God you want to live a life that's pleasing to God and God is going to lead you to that place where you can be and are all of that And, and you won't be lacking in in that area
1: Amen. So
0: so our deepest desires then um, can be a gift from God that needs to be nurtured.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And and it's it's like when you think about um, the will of God, and this is a question that comes up quite a bit. Um, What is God's will for my life? Um, I teach young people, and they ask that question all the time. And I could say, well, his will for you might be to be a lawyer or a doctor or so on. But that's not it. God's will is that we will be in relationship with him. And so when I think of the I shall not want, I think about that idea of his will for my life, which we, we see a lot um, in, in the end of all the Gospels and the beginning of the uh, book of Acts, where we see the great commission, where Jesus lays it out. This is my will. This is what I want for you. So that takes me back to I shall not want.
0: Amen. So now that we know that God meets our needs through his son, the writer goes on to say that he maketh me to lie down, in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. So the writer is attributing his ability to lie down in green pastures. So what does that mean for a sheep to lie down in green pastures?
1: So so to me what I hear, and I hear he maketh me, not he allows me so much As he makes me lie down in green pastures. So green pastures to me, yeah, if you think of green, is that it's fruitful because the pasture that is green has a lot of good grass, which is what the sheep wants, you know? So it's plentiful. It's not some little dry place all here and there. But green pastures suggest plentiful grass So it's not just meeting my desires for grass, because I'm a sheep, but it's meeting it plentifully. So I I don't have to look around for a little patch of grass here and there. And I'm not just eating it. I can lay down in it. (laughs) I can relax. You You know, you've seen pictures of people with money. When they get money for the first time, just lay down in it. So that's luxurious. Mm-hmm. So luxuriating mm-hmm. in this place. So he makes me lie down in those wonderful, prosperous places.
0: Amen. You know, I um I like the word you use luxuriate, because when a sheep lies down, it's because he's content and resting. Mm-hmm. The sheep does not sense the threat in danger of predators. He's able to rest in this comfort zone. The scripture says he he lies down in green pastures, which as you as you said is a representation of a, a satisfying provision. Uh, he's able to, as you said, luxuriate himself in the context of and surrounded by the providential care of God for yeah. his his sustainability, for his sustenance. In the, um, the, the provision of the actual food, he's yes. actually he's able to just lay down there and be fulfilled and satisfied.
1: Yes. Mm. And he now leads me. Mm. So not only is he giving me the food I need, but he's, he's giving me the comfort. It doesn't say he leads me to drink the water. No, it says he leads me beside still waters. So this is not a moment of um, a storm. I'm not going through a storm. The water is not cascading all over the rocks. You know, it's, it's a still water, a still stream. It's running, <clears throat> excuse me, carefully along. And it leaves me beside it. So I'm not being overwhelmed by the water. So I'm not drowning. I'm trying to find a find uh, a breath no the water is still and i'm just right beside it i'm not in it i have no overwhelming desire <laughs> to drink it right now i'm just walking beside it and enjoying the cooler the evening I, it reminds me of genesis we looked at genesis the other day when god would come down in the cool of the evening. That sort of calm is what I hear.
0: Amen. And and you know when it says he leads me beside the still waters, we see the sheep and the shepherd in transit. They're they're moving. And and they're on a journey led by the shepherd. And and you know, again, you know, a a sheep can't drink from a raging rapid water. And so the still waters are the context in which our thirst can be satisfied. And of course, I'm talking about the natural thirst for the, sh- for the sheep. And in the same way, our thirst, our spiritual thirst is, is able to be quenched um, by the leading of the, the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And even in the midst of challenging circumstances and, and the, the life's adversities, we can find calm water in the presence of God for, for our refreshment you know, in prayer, we can rest in God's presence and be nourished and satisfied by the goodness and mercies of God.
1: And, and, and when, when we, we get to He restores my soul, I'm going to pick up on something you said, Jay, because, yes, you can drink some of the water, and you can sip it because it's not rushing. So you can you can sip a little water here but the, he restores my soul so this desire to sort of get back so restores suggests that something was happening before and now this is a new moment something might have been out of whack and now we're now back to what is calm so he restores my soul so my soul was in a place where it needed to be restored so coming from, leading me beside still waters, and then the next thing is restoring of my soul, it seems as if there might have been some turmoil because we needed some restoration. So he restores my soul. And all makes sense when because the Lord is my shepherd.
0: Amen. Well, you know, this, this restores my soul. Um, It reminds me of of the prophetic book, Joel, which the Lord speaks through the prophet and says, I will restore the years that Mm -hmm. the locust has stolen from you. You know, this was this was speaking in in, um, a context of a famine. And now God is saying, I'm going to restore. And so we find that God is the God of restoration and, Mm -hmm. and we find our restoration in Christ. So restored from what? Um, Restored, you know, when we go back to the story of the garden, we see that, you know, people talk about the the fall of humanity. And, but through Christ, we are restored to the rightful place of fellowship with God. Um, And, you know, I, me personally, I know um, that my very being, my innermost being was made new in Christ. He rescued me from a place of despair to a place of of restoration, healing, peace, commune with God, and and being in right relationship with God through his son. What a fellowship yes. and what a joy it is to be restored to the father through the son.
1: And, you know, as you mentioned, Joel, the book of Joel just reminds me, it's one of the Old Testament books that introduces us to the role of the Holy Spirit. So when I hear he restores my soul, soon as you said, Joel, I think of the work of the Holy Spirit, because as children of God, our souls are restored by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that begins this idea of the restoration of which is going to lead us to the second part of verse three. So now,
0: wait a second. So now, if we say that the Holy Spirit restores us and 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 He leads me in the paths of righteousness, what is how do we? What does that actually look like? How how does God lead us? And I, I would say, of course, that we're led through His Word. We're led through the the power of the Holy Spirit, and we. Communicate with God in a two-way conversation in prayer. So, and and that's why it's important that we do things like what we're doing right now, examining the 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 the, the biblical text, so that we can bring some clarity into our religious experience.
1: So He restores my soul. I have. Uh, I'm gonna get back to that. He restores my soul. He mm-hmm. said, "How?" And I I think about the. The word justification, justification. So restores suggests to me that there was something before that went awry and now we're back to something. So that's what it means to me. So when I hear he restores my soul, I hear by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're now justified. That is, you know, old people used to say, just as if we had not sinned and that is what i hear at this moment so when i'm justified i'm just as if i had not sinned and in the sight of god i'm covered hallelujah with the blood of jesus and so now i'm restored by the power of the holy spirit so that the next step now is the leading so he leadeth me beside the still waters no sorry he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake is now now that we are restored we are ready to be led
0: amen 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 yes we are we are well some of us are (laughs) (laughs) so here's the thing you know with this second reference to leading um, it should remind us and call us to being attentive to embrace God's leading instead of our being led by anything other than God. Once, once we allow ourselves to be led by, um, you know, the corruption of worldly values, and, and if I want to get really specific, I could say greed, racism, power, dominance over the other. When we, when we let those things guide us and lead us, we, we place ourselves on a trajectory towards agony and suffering so again this reminds me of the importance of us gathering together to rightly as they say rightly divide the word of god when when we when we don't when we fail to rightly divide the word of god we allow the the development of these inadequate theologies that 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 no longer represent god and therefore when we follow those theologies and ideologies that they become um we no longer are allowing god to lead we've we've allowed this Poor theology to create a God that don't exist, <laughs> and 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 we lead ourselves along a path of idolatry. Whenever we we create a God and we don't that is not representative of God, we we are on a path of idolatry.
1: And so He leadeth me. I I am right there <laughs> in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. So a few words there I want want to to think about. So he leadeth me. We talked about that before. But where? In the paths of righteousness. And what are those paths? And how do we know them? And how is it that we're on these paths? And what is righteousness? So just pause in there for a minute. So when it says in the paths of righteousness... So it's like in the lane, (laughs) you know, that's what I hear. So it's not just righteousness is one thing and it ends there. No, there's a path. There is a, it's a journey and this is taking us somewhere. So it is not just this one moment, right? I'm saved. My soul is restored and now I'm righteous. No, he is taking us on this journey This path, right, that is taking us in the path of righteousness. And when we think of righteousness, we know that this is more than right living. Because this is God's righteousness that he is revealing through us. So he's given us his righteousness. The Bible in Isaiah says, I'm covered over with the robe of righteousness and Jesus lives in me. So, and God lives in me. So the idea is that this righteousness is not my own. So it's for, I'll stop right there. Go Jay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, well, when you say, you know, um, I'm thinking back, I'm thinking about the sheep and, and when the sheep, when the shepherd is leading the sheep, often they found the same trail to follow uh, to to find the greener pastures, but they might start out on the same path because through their regular traveling, traveling through this path, they cut a they cut a clear path in 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 the middle of bush and desert uh, terrain, and God has laid that path out for us through His Son, and what we I guess what comes to mind in the Baptist tradition, what comes to my mind, the theological word is sanctification this this path towards righteousness is our righteousness comes from from through christ but we are called to to partake of this holiness and righteousness of god which is the lifelong process of sanctification separating ourselves from the from the um being lorded over by the evils of this world and being led by god and becoming more christ-like in our daily walk
1: and being set apart, being Mm -hmm. set apart. Uh, The other part that it speaks is for his name's sake. Mm -hmm. I like that that's there, and I'm going to tell you why. It is not about me. I'm not saved so that I could look good, Mm -hmm. or I could feel good, or I could get stuff. You know, I, I am not saved so that I might get the Rolls Royce. No, mm-hmm. no. It's for his name's sake. Mm-hmm. for God. And, and I like that it says, it didn't just say for God's sake, but it's for his name's sake. Mm-hmm. So the name of God, and, and, and it's talking about all of them. So it's Jehovah Jireh. It's all of them It's all the names of God For his sake Is why I'm saving Not for me But for his sake And that sanctification process Which we're going to begin to talk about here As he's leading us This is not so that I will get happy Yeah, I'm going to get happy on the journey But it is for his sake It mm-hmm. is for God's sake
0: and when it says, for his namesake, it's saying, it answers the why question. We might ask, well, why is God doing all of this? It's because of who he is. That's who he is. That's what he does. He leads us along the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And, um, you know, I've read, I think, in the book of Romans, it talks about, you know, God's name. And in this in this passage, he was talking to um, religious people and religious leaders he said god's name is blasphemed because of you <laughs> so mm-hmm, okay. when we do when we act antithetical to the righteousness of god then we bring uh we bring corruption uh to uh, or corrupt ideas to the name of god
1: and and you know i i, I just remember there are so many different names of god but we were thinking about Revelation today, the book of Revelation, in our um, uh, Sunday school, and I was thinking about the messages to the churches, the seven churches, mm-hmm. and what was what was exciting is that every church, each church, when Jesus identifies himself, he uses a different description and a different name. The idea of the name in that moment connected. To that particular church when he does the seven churches. For us though, the lesson we get is that all those different names, whether it's the Lamb of God, whether it's the lamp, or whatever is the word that uh description that comes from the name, they all apply to Jesus. So that idea of the name, you know?
0: Amen. The Amen. name. Amen. 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 And um I just want to take a a little moment here to shout out to the people that are in the room uh, that are listening or passing through. I just want to thank you for joining us today. We are continuing on with this introduction to biblical thought. Our guest today is uh, Professor Jacqueline Goff McNish, and we've decided to look into the Psalms and the underlying uh, motivation and the truths and themes that arise from this particular 23rd Psalm. It's It's a Indication of a deep relationship of trust with God by a person. In this case, that person is David, who who uh, has many challenges in his life, and it leads him to say, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me." Now that's that's one verse, but it's loaded. Yes. Um so let's just, just rest there for a moment. See what we can find.
1: Okay. So I I, I like uh yay though. Um so he's sort of saying, Okay, I want you to pause a minute. So mm-hmm. the yay slows you down. So if you were rushing, verses one through three, yay though says slow down. Because now I'm going to tell you something very exciting. And it starts with, I walk. Um, so the I reminds us back that I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Takes Makes it personal again. But the walk. So to me, the walk is an active involvement in our lives. Whenever we see the scripture talks about walking, walking. It's it's not just it, it, it's not just sitting down and thinking about it but an active involvement back to that word sanctification an active involvement as we grow in Christ so I walk I'm doing something
0: Yes it's a journey and let us not forget that the this use of the the language of the sheep and the shepherd they're on a journey which is a journey towards grazing and and that that was what they did every day and some of those passages were through um dangerous terrain and 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 those dangerous terrains um we in our lives we also travel through some dangerous terrains i know i did when i was much younger (laughs) and and um but it says you know so we see it we see a, a journey a continuation of journey and and this this journey uh, there's an indication of adversity and challenges along this journey. And we as Christians, as believers, as people of faith, we certainly have a live a life that is going to throw curveballs of adversity and challenges to us. But the writer says, in spite of all of that, I will fear no evil.
1: So, so Jay, don't, don't go yet. I have to talk about the valley of the shadow of death.
0: Okay. I know I have that. to talk about <laughs> I know that.
1: You know I had to talk about the Valley of the Shadow of Death. So I know that historically this was an actual place which was actually called the Valley of the Shadow of Death because whenever travelers passed through there, there were lots of robbers and stuff. Yeah, I know that. Okay. So that's usually that's the Valley of the Shadow of Death. But The analogy for me is more powerful because when you think the shadow of something, it's not real. You know, and I've heard um, an example given that if you're standing on the road and a truck passes by and the shadow overwhelms you and then the truck goes on its way, there's nothing wrong there. Nothing has happened to you because you were not hit by the truck, you were hit by the shadow of
0: death. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: So when you hear the valley of the shadow of death, it speaks to us as children of God. We're not gonna die because we're gonna have the shadow of death because as children of God, we pass from this life to the next. Mm -hmm. But death itself doesn't have to be feared Because it's a shadow of death. Mm -hmm. Love the analogy.
0: Love the analogy. Amen. So, but problematic to us or challenging to us is that um, when we find ourselves in the shadow, what happens is the light is being blocked. Yes. And and sometimes fear sets in, in the absence of that light. And we start to just like... um, the disciple who stepped out onto the water When Jesus told him to come to me He stepped out onto the water And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus He saw the, the, the water and, 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 and he began to sink So I think fear takes over And, it, and it's a, a natural It seems like a natural thing to happen when, when, when you don't see the light When you're going through this adversity in your face And it looks like everything is falling apart um, For fear to set in which is antithetical to the will of God for your life. Um, God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear.
1: Mm. And the valley. Mm -hmm. Talk about the valley. Mm
0: -hmm. Well,
1: you know, we live in the Hudson Valley. Mm -hmm. Visitors around the world, we live in the Hudson Valley. One thing we can see when we're driving are hills, Mm -hmm. because we're down in the valley. And there are a lot of things that happen when you live in a valley. Mm-hmm. You know, when the rain comes you know lots of things in the valley so the valley sometimes can be blocked by the mountains so just like uh uh reverend jay said this idea of not just the shadow messing with the light but the valley being in the valley not just a physical valley but when you're going through a valley experience you're not on the mountaintop, you're down in the valley Nobody ever said you're you're up in the valley. You're usually down in the valley. So those negative connotations connected with the valley as well. We all want to be on a mountaintop, but we ain't down in the valley. So this is interesting. It's not just the valley, but it's also the shadow, the lack of the light that's missing, and then death that seems to be final and irreversible
0: so here's a here's a thought if we could just pause for a moment when first of all the we talked about the valley just now of being um um representative of life experience you know we're not always on the mountaintop of peace prosperity and harmony sometimes we're going through the valley which may indicate or represent some sort of struggle and adversity but how do we respond everybody has a valley experience and goes through a valley experience if you haven't yet you know they say just live long enough and you'll find yourself there i don't care who you are i don't care how long you've been saved or how much time you spend in the bible you're going to run into some valley experiences now the question is how do we respond to those valley experiences and and it's it's very i'm trying to make a very simple point if we allow despair desolation To try to separate us from God, it will do just that you will. I mean, it'll try to do that and you can be led um, by despair to a place of, of sorrow. And that's not God's will for our life. So one of the things that I notice people do when they're in valley experiences in their life is they they retreat into isolation and and they stop doing the things that they know they should do in that that uh, would lead them into into a greater relationship with God they abandon they stop reading their Bible they stop coming to church they stop um, praying and they they retreat into isolation and when you when you're in a valley experience in your life these are the wrong things to do you need to draw closer to God in those moments when you're not feeling too good that's the time to draw closer to God
1: and 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 the response like you say Reverend Jay I will fear no evil I will fear no evil so it's almost saying there is evil present there is evil because why, why would it say I will fear no evil if there was no evil so we know it's suggesting that there is evil But I will fear no evil. And I hear the word fear and I hear an emotional response. Hear the word suggesting an emotional response. Fear, but also a mental response. Because when he said I will, that's a mental response. I'm saying no, 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 no. I am not going to allow this Fear to come into me. So not only will I not have emotional response, which fear suggests, but the idea of the will suggests a mental response. So I will fear no evil.
0: And, and, and the, the question is, why not? <laughs> and the answer is, for thou art with, with me. me.
1: Amen. Thou art with me not not um beside me not maybe 10 miles away no you are with me Mm -hmm. you are here yes
0: and we as as christian believers we believe that not only is god close but god is within Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. his holy spirit is within and and that's a um that's a profound truth a statement that's a, a, a profound belief that God is within you as a believer it's not out there somewhere but he's within you mm-hmm. then he goes on and say um, thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me so now we know we have the picture of the shepherd and we have the you know everybody's familiar with the the, the staff that, that the the stick that the shepherd holds and that stick had a couple of different purpose a couple of different purposes. Now whether or not it was one stick or two two different sticks, it doesn't matter. Um the, the rod and the staff, they served they had a functionality. That's what I'm getting at. And we're back to this um, analogy of sheep and the shepherd. And and the rod was um, one that was used to well let me let me ask jackie jackie what what was the rod used for the staff
1: okay so the rod this is what i i I remember the rod is used for correction and the staff is used for guiding Mm -hmm. so thy rod so your rod is going to correct me when i need it when i'm going astray you're going to correct me you're going to pull me in But the staff is going to use to guide me. So, for example, if I break my leg, your staff is going to help me to walk. So that idea of one is correcting and one is guiding. So, you know, you hear about the rod of correction. You know, in Proverbs, you hear, spare the rod and spoil the child. So the rod of correction and the staff of guiding. So Mm -hmm. both, both of them.
0: And I, I see
1: mm-hmm. Go ahead. I
0: see I see two two more things. Yes um, the 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 rod was also used as a device for protection. In other words, when the wolf is coming at one oh, of the yes. sheep one at one of the sheep, the rod would be used, you know, to to poke it at the wolf and and, and jab at the wolf to get him to protect the sheep. And then the, the staff had a little hook on the end. Yes. So, so I heard one one preacher say that you know if a, if a sheep that wandered fell into a ditch that the the shepherd could reach down with the staff, put it around his neck and pull him out. Yes. So we see we see protect both protection and the rescue of the sheep through God's uh, the shepherd's um, instruments.
1: I I like they comfort me. Mm-hmm because if I could apply this to myself whether it's the rod or the staff whatever the functions are they're both a comfort to me and I'm gonna for me when God reprimands me it just reminds me that he loves me so much that he takes the time to reprimand me So whether it's a rod of correction with a reprimand, yes. And like uh, Reverend Jay says, and if it means that he's poking away my enemies, that he's trying to mess with me, yes, it's because he loves me and that is a comfort to me. Mm -hmm. And when he sees me going astray and he has to hook me in, then that is also a comfort to me. Yes.
0: Well, it's a comfort in this psalm. It's a comfort to David, right? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, um, the rod of of the correcting part is something that I believe that I think it's fair to say that we often avoid that encounter with God. (laughs) I mean, and and we need to learn to embrace it. Um, I, I had my grandson out the other day where you know he's taking an interest in baseball and so I've been kind of like religiously tied to a baseball field with him and and what what I noticed the other day that he was doing something different and it wasn't right it wasn't good so I brought it to his attention and 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 he embraced the the wise counsel that his grandfather was giving him about what he was doing but this is the thing we sometimes avoid that encounter with God we don't want to be corrected And so how do we avoid that encounter? Well, how about not praying? (laughs) If I don't pray, I don't have to enter into that space and perhaps hear something from God that I don't want to hear. So I can can resist God and avoid this this correct word of correction or, or allowing this word of correction to rise up in my spirit. And as God speaks to me through his word and in prayer, I can avoid it if I just don't go into that secret space. So um, we need to think about that. And as we, if we find ourselves avoiding prayer, why is it? Are, are we trying to avoid something? Are we, are we trying to avoid an encounter with God? Or, or are we going to allow God to comfort us, which is what he does through his wise counsel?
1: And, and also, like you said, we avoid prayer. We also avoid studying his word. Amen. Because his word... Holy Spirit will reveal powerful things from the word mm-hmm. uh, and we avoid worship service mm-hmm. because you enter into worship and God will speak to you in that worship service mm-hmm. in that moment of worship so we avoid all those things because we, uh, we don't want to hear it mm-hmm. but how we should see it as a comfort that's how we should see it we should be so extremely thankful that God is pointing this stuff out to us mm-hmm. because it's only going to help us to get closer to Him. It's only going to it's only gonna give us more power to live for Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that one of the reasons that we avoid this encounter with God in which we can and and we should learn to embrace these encounters one of the reasons is is of our the image of god that we have maybe from children that perhaps we believe that god is like some sort of um celestial scorekeeper who's just tallying up our our good moments and our bad moments waiting to send us into hell or punish us for something when actually that's a bad construct to have uh, it's a, it's a damaging construct, and and we should um, think more in terms of God inviting us to a place of wholeness, and and therefore not avoid an encounter with God by by skipping out on prayer time, or or leaving your prayer time till you've fallen asleep in the bed and don't ever get to pray. So I think what my point is that we have many reasons for um, avoiding God. Um, but Jackie, as you said, the revelation that comes through the word, reading the Word of God and studying to read the Word of God, this revelation is God's self-disclosure towards humanity. He reveals Himself to you through His Word. So, what 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 better place can we find than than to to um, to hear about God than His Word? And,
1: and the other thing I just thought of too is. It's a mindset. It's changing our mindset. I just thought about that. Because to begin to think that something that feels like a reprimand is actually comforting us Mm -hmm. is a change of mindset. And when you mention that word sanctification, this growth is development. It's getting closer to God. But like in Romans chapter 12, it talks, verse 1, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is a part of the process of sanctification. So this idea of seeing it as comfort is that mindset, is that place where we're growing closer to God.
0: Amen. The prophetic books tells us that God, through the prophet, God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to, to, um, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans yes. to give you a future and hope. And, yes. and so this, this should lead us to a place of trust instead of a place of fear yes. um, uh, and, and, and avoidance of God. I, I knew someone who, who told me that when they open the Bible, they can't read it because they feel convicted before they even open it. They feel shamed before they even read it and this comes from I think this comes from um, a poor image of God carried over from childhood so God is inviting us to a place of trust Yes. and a place of comfort as opposed to us thinking about this being preoccupied with this with this um, judgment that's going to work out for our um, destruction and harm mm-hmm. yes so okay
1: what, We're up to verse 5. This is exciting. Mm -hmm. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So we should just start with the preparing the table. Right. So what does that really mean? Preparing a table. So, you know, that idea of preparing a table suggests that you're being invited to a meal. So it's not just, um, let's throw some food somewhere. You can go eat it in your bedroom if you want to. You know, let's just slop it into a... No, it's setting the table nicely with some good china, some good flatware, let's go with silver, some good glass, you know, we're going to use crystal here. And it is preparing that table. Um, and, and, I, and I hear putting some good food on the table. So the table is, pre- oh, we forgot to talk about the wonderful linen. <laughs> <laughs> so the crystal, uh, bone china, silver, real silver, and some good linen okay?
0: Jackie, I'm a witness. I've been to your house for for dinner and I felt like like the place was prepared for the Queen of England to come.
1: (laughs) You know what? Every once in a while you need to do that. But when it says you prepare a table, God prepared the table with all the good stuff and the good food. He prepares a table before me. Before me, so I am sitting there watching him put this table together. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it, God wants what's best for all of us. That scripture you read before—I know the plans you have for me. Mm-hmm. Scripture. Yes. He—that is the preparing the table before me. He's Amen. preparing all the good stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he knows what is good. He's not Amen. going halfway here. He is preparing the table before me. And I'm watching him. When it says he prepared the table before me, I'm watching him do it. As little by little, he builds this beautiful table.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and at that table, yes. um, we have a place of refuge, a place yes. of provision, and a place of rest. And, and a place of, of just comfort, a place where we can, to bring up a word that we used twice already today, where we can luxuriate ourselves yes. in yes. the presence of God. And, and guess what? We did that today. Today is the, the first Sunday of the month in the Baptist tradition. We, we, we um, partake of the Lord's Supper um, on this first Sunday. And, and that is a time where we remember and luxuriate ourselves in the in all that God has done for us through his son just like in the Jewish tradition they celebrated the Passover well now we celebrate Christ as our uh that's the the reason and the cause for our celebration and then and on this first Sunday as we partake of the Lord's Supper it's a day of remembrance where uh, we think about all that God has done so we luxuriate us ourselves in knowing and trusting that God is wholeheartedly concerned with our well-being.
1: Thou preparest the table before me, you know, in the presence of mine enemies. Okay, so not only is God preparing this table with all the good stuff on it, and God knows exactly what we need, the type of food that we like, he knows that. So the sustenance, sustenance. But I think of the psychological part of this. You know, we as children of God don't need to feel less than. I'm telling you, don't need to feel less than. Because if God himself prepares the table, that means I am up there, up there on top of the world. Because I have all my needs met. I have my belonging needs because I belong to God. I have my love need because God loves me. I have my self-esteem need. I can't help but feel good about myself because God himself is preparing this table. Um, I'm self-actualized because I am where I need to be because I am in the presence of God and I'm just standing around while he prepares this table before me. Amen.
0: Amen. But, but
1: when it says now, in the presence of my enemies, we take it to another level.
0: Amen. 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 Um, um, I saw that we had somebody trying to come in as a guest, a, a, a someone who I've spoken before. I'm going to hold off on that for the moment so we can get through this um, passage. Jason, if you're still there, hold on, my friend. Um, um, so in the presence of mine enemies now let's not forget that David who is writing this had some enemies in in real life this isn't is this isn't just his he's he's talking out of his experience and and just imagine the 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 sheep again being able to lie down in this green pasture this place of provision knowing that there might be wolves lurking Around the corner, but they can yet still lie down in the in the provisions of God. So David uh, had this great revelation of this table before him in the presence of his enemies. Now, Jackie, as um, the I see the clock ticking down, you're going to have to just come back in.
1: Yes, that's fine. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: So so and and um, I just see this great image of of chaos all going. All around chaos and danger and and people um, were trying to harm David but yet he found his peace and his consolation in the presence of God his great Shepherd and and this this idea is is his security his consolation his peace is found in God amen so um, as Jackie's coming back into the uh, coming back and into the room I I want to um, just thank the people who were in the room um, for stopping in. I would encourage you to visit the website, www.rev.jstuartglover.com. There are people that are hearing these, uh, this broadcast in China, in Singapore, in, in um, all around the world. And it's very surprising. Um, And I'm really happy about that. So, uh, Let's see now, I'm bringing Jackie back in, yeah. Um, Jason, again, I just asked you to hold on a second, my friend. I'm gonna bring you in, if you can hang around for a little while. Um, so, and, and, and you know, when you go to the website, you can post your comments. These things are, are replayed on um, YouTube and, and Spotify and, and Amazon, all of these different podcast outlets. So, and on the website, you can actually post your comments. And you can even, I believe you can post some comments in the chat right now. So we were at the place where um, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And today I had to mention the fact that even on this first Sunday, we, we partake of the Lord's Supper, which is a, 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 a symbolic representation of our communion with God and celebrating all that God did for us in the, in the face of of, of our struggle with sin. We are we are liberated from the power of sin and death through the Son. Then he says, Jackie, thou anointest, anointest my, head my... With, my head with oil.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And of course, we could talk about the anointing for a long, long time. We just need to touch on it, maybe do it another time again. But you anoint my head with oil. And David knows about the anointing because David himself was anointed to be king. So that's part of what happened in the Old Testament is that people who were called to some very special uh, tasks were anointed and specifically kings were anointed. So when he says, you anoint my head with oil, um, we're talking about Being called for a special role and getting a special uh, anointing. And I'm, I'm thinking of a better word than that. But it's a declaration, a special declaration that you're now set apart for a specific purpose.
0: I'll give you the word. Tell me. Appointment.
1: A special appointment. Yes. There you go. So it is my head with oil. And so... We could. I have to say something about the anointing because God's anointing, you know, totally protects us. Um, it talks about the prophet when the oil was poured on his head, it flowed down to his beard all the way down. So that anointing that God gives us, not only does he give us, I love your word, Reverend Jay, a special anointing, but he equips us. So that oil is the equipment that he gives us. Not only is he uh, acknowledging who we are now that we've been appointed, but he's also equipping us by giving us the oil, the oil of anointing. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So now I want to I add this, going back to the cultural practice of the day. When a guest, when you came to somebody's house, It was the, especially if you were in Syria or or Persia somewhere, that one of the cultural practices was to wash the feet of the person who came into your house because of the dusty roads to get the dirt off their feet. Another practice was to pour a little oil on their head. And the, the symbolic gesture of pouring the oil on the head was to let it be known that you are now a guest in my house. And you are, my house is a, a, a house for you that offers protection, hospitality, and care. No danger shall come to you without it first coming through me. So, so when, when the Bible says, when he says you anointest my head with oil, not only is he appointed as king, but he's also now in the house of the Lord under the protection, hospitality, refuge, a uh, safe place in God.
1: That is a wonderful one. Mm. It's a, that's wonderful. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Jesus went to this house and Mary washed his feet with her tears and anointed his feet with oil. That's what that reminds me of. When the, and the disciple that started complaining. But, so as you said that, that brought that to mind. And and Jesus actually said, I came to your house and you didn't wash my foot. Right. So why are you complaining about the woman who actually did what you should have done? Exactly. You should washed my feet and anointed with oil.
0: Mm-hmm. So the, the anointing of, of oil was, was a greeting and it was a, a, a declaration. And you're in my house now. And I'm yes. here to I'm here to protect you and offer hospitality and care. Yes. So um, anyway, so that's what that's what that's what I see in addition to the appointment. And the anointing uh, is is a touch. Yes. You know, when yes. you get anointed with oil, you are touched. So we are touched by God. Yes. and yes. and that one touch will change your life forever. I know it changed my life. Amen, amen. A touch from God has changed my life for the better.
1: (laughs) Amen. Amen. And my cup runneth over. I love that. Mm. So, you know, it's not just he anoints me with oil, right? And it's just enough. But it overflows. It overflows. My cup runneth over. It overflows. More than enough. More than enough.
0: Well, we have, we might not have everything that we want, but we certainly have all that we need. <sighs> and and um, God has God's provision for us um, exceeds our expectations all the time. Um, You know, I don't want to give it away, but I'm I'm, I'm doing a study on the queen of Sheba. And when she met with the king, she said she had heard about all that was going on with Solomon and his relationship with God and the prosperity of his his, um, position with God. And when she actually came to meet him, it exceeded her every expectation. And so it is with God. God fills us in a way that exceeds our expectation. Yes. For sure. So, so, yes, our cups run over.
1: Yeah. We cannot begin. We cannot begin to appreciate how much God has for us and how much God wants to do with us and for us. So when I hear my cup runneth over... I, I hear I'm so overwhelmed by your blessing, Lord. And, you know, every once in a while, I find myself saying, God, you're so good to me. You're concentrating on me today, Lord, and I appreciate it. You know, where do you find time for Reverend Jay? You've been blessing me so much. Amen. You know, my cup runneth over.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, that reminds me of that scripture of, of that says that... Um, you know, pressed down, shaken together. Yes. You know, which, which the illustration was, you know, back then. Imagine this. Imagine you go into an ice cream parlor and you order a, a, a cup of ice cream. They put it in a cup and they smash it down into the cup to, to, to mm-hmm. make sure that they can get all they can get in there. Mm-hmm. Or, or um, you know, when they, were, when they were in the world of commerce, when they were selling, like, weights of, of flour or something like that, they would uh, they say press down shaking together. They would shake the wheat, shake the flour, to make sure that it settles down into the package so that they can take all that that the the, um, the giver wanted to have in there and it would be a fair transaction and not, not somebody holding their finger on the scale to make it appear to be heavier than it is. God actually presses it down in there for you. And shakes it. Shakes
1: it shakes I, I, it together. Shakes it, shakes it. So as you shake it, it takes out the air, all mm-hmm. that extra air. Amen. So now it's real. It's real. It's not just um, some flour with some air in there. When you shake it and you press it down, it gets rid of the air. So it is all flour in there. I love that illustration, Jay. Amen. Love that illustration.
0: Amen, amen, amen. So our cups, our cups run over, but if we avoid the encounter with God... We don't get to realize that. We don't get to learn about that. Amen. So instead of running from God, instead of hiding from God, we need to get quiet and be still before God and allow God to speak to us, allow God to reveal himself to us so that we can embrace his love and justice towards us. Yes, yes. Then... Go ahead, go ahead. Then the the writer says... Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So where do we begin?
1: Surely. Surely. <laughs> we, can, we can begin at the word surely.
0: Yes.
1: Because what that says to me right there is no doubt, no doubt. In a lot of places in the Bible, it said truly. So it just is saying to us, Listen, there is no doubt that this is going to happen. So it's, it's not a guessing game here. Goodness and mercy is going to follow you, right? So surely, just write at that word, surely.
0: Mm-hmm. So now I want to say something about this. Surely, without doubt, God will follow me all the days of my life. After all, goodness and mercy come from God. Right. but there's, a, there's another illustration of back to the sheep and the shepherd when the shepherd is leading the sheep he's in front of them and behind the flock were shepherd dogs and when the sheep would stray as they do uh, one sheep decide he's going to turn off to the right And everybody's veering off to the left. (laughs) When the sheep would stray away, the shepherd dogs behind them would bark, get the attention of the shepherd and and perhaps corral the sheep back on the right path. So it's been said that, you know, it's they've been these these uh, goodness and mercy have been referred to as the, the shepherd's dogs behind you. That are, uh, and and again, I, I'll repeat, Jackie, that the the um, the word in in the Hebrew, that word, follow me, was really an aggressive term, which which could be better translated as shall chase after me all the days of my life. So God is not passively following you; He's yes. chasing after you, Yes. with goodness and mercy, even when we mess up, miss the mark. Fall down and, and stray from, from being on this path of righteousness, God is there with goodness and mercy to bring us back onto the right path.
1: And, and it's all the days of my life. It's not just some of the days, it's all of them. And when we think of the definition of mercy, you know, most of us deserve punishment, but by God's mercy, he keeps us and protects us. Mercy. Mm-hmm. We don't deserve... We did deserve punishment. But instead, God gives us mercy. Okay? Amen. So all the days of my life, all the days, not just some of them, not just when I'm a good person. No. As long as I am His sheep, as long as the Lord is my shepherd, I am assured that mercy and goodness will chase after me. And it's all the days of my life.
0: Amen. So even when we mess up, even when we stray and and have to be put back on the right track through God's goodness and mercy, um, that's a wonderful, uh, we should just luxuriate ourselves in that thought that God is there for us. When we fall down he can he picks us up, brushes off our knees and puts us back on the path. you know then that keeps us from re- retreating into isolation and, and abandoning the, the church and, and the fellowship of the believers and giving up on, on it all. Um, we must remember that that we are the church. Yes. you know people complain about the church but remember this, we are the church and if you leave where are you going?
1: Yes <laughs> because, because it's, it's God's church. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, and we are the bride. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. The church is the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. We are the church. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen.
0: Now, um, so he says that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He sounds sure of something here. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, no doubt in my mind, I know that I know that I know that I will, I will live, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think of this moment as David saying, it doesn't matter what happens, goodness and mercy will always chase after me all the days of my life. And I know I am sure that I will have the hope of salvation. I will dwell in his house forever. That eternity is taken care of because I'm in the house of the Lord forever.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is important because there may be people there listening that think, well, I messed up. I did something I shouldn't have done, and now perhaps God is leaving me. And, and that's not the case. You know, God's, God's forbearance, his mercy exceeds our understanding. You know, that might not be how we respond to people offending us, but God, uh, God is long-suffering. And God is willing to look past our faults and look at our needs and sends good, goodness and mercy to chase after you. Even when you've messed up or you think you've messed up.
1: And you know, when we think of this process that we just went through, we started with the Lord is my shepherd. And we ended with the house of the Lord forever. So you pull that all together and it looks like this great epiphanetic journey so I get to the the, it's like the end of it is dwelling with the Lord forever so it begins with the Lord is my shepherd and it ends with dwelling in the house of the Lord forever takes me through justification takes me through sanctification and here I am at glorification I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is my, the eternal promise. This mm-hmm. is the hope of glory. So in terms in terms of
0: just a brief review, you mentioned the word justification. Now again, this is a, um, we were hoping that this would be an introduction to biblical thought, and then we, we used the word just now, justification, and we did already explain it. But this, this word, this language, really comes primarily from, the, the Pauline writings, the Apostle yes. Paul. And Paul, you know, they say Jesus revealed himself and and about the kingdom of God, and Paul tells us how it works. And this term of justification is one of those words in case you've never, as somebody who's not a Bible student or, or, or you know, this word justification is where God pardons the sin of the believer. And as Jackie said earlier, um, it's like saying just as though it never happened. So you've got now you've got a clean slate between you and God, all because of what Jesus did. This is fundamental to the co- at the core of the Christian faith tradition that God pardons our sin. It's just like you know that old courtroom analogy. You have the the accuser who in our life would be the devil, as we refer to him. Uh, uh, the cu- accuser of the saints. You have the the defender for the for the defendant. The defendant would be me, right? And then the 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 the, the advocate. My advocate would be Jesus Christ. And God looks down on the accusations of the devil, on the, on the reality of sin, and sees this great advocate, Jesus, and sees the blood of Jesus, and knows that He sent His Son to to save the world not condemn the world and therefore God looks upon us and say yeah guilty but forgiven his amen. sins are pardoned yes. and what a great um relief that is for for a person to stand confidently in 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 the presence of God and say thank you Lord that my sins are forgiven help me to go forward
1: amen amen and 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 you know another Illustration I heard a pastor give once is that when we mess up, when we sin as children of God, and God is a just God and has to punish sin, which of course we know because we remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying to God, If it's thy will, let this cup pass. And the cup which would contain the sins of the world, and Jesus was anticipating. That with the sins of the world on him, he would be separated from God. Because God is a just God and he cannot look at sin. And what the pastor said is, Jesus is sitting beside God and saying, that is my child covered by my blood. You know, and justification as that is what it is. It is Jesus saying to God, my blood covered that one. My blood covered that one. So you know, I, I thought it was a
0: wonderful illustration. Well, Jackie, I think we're going to um, just express gratitude to God for for His goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives, and we're going to wrap this up now. Oh, yes. Close it out. We're going to close it out. I want to. Um, um, I know Jason Kinte was trying to come into the room. I want to um, apologize, Jason. I haven't heard from you in a while, and I, I love talking with you. But we have to wrap this up now um, for time constraints. And um, we're going to close out. But please be reminded to visit the website and enter your comments and and, um, thoughts on this series. Next week we'll be back at the same time jumping into one of the prophetic books as we continue this journey um, along the uh, introduction to biblical thought. Jackie, do you have any closing thoughts?
1: I just want to, well, I want to thank you. This was a great conversation. But I also want to thank God because as I am speaking, God is revealing stuff to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I appreciate that so much. Thank you, Lord.
0: Well, thank you, Jackie, for being here. And and we're we closing out now. And my prayer is that God would continue to reveal himself to all of us in, in, in new ways. And if you never... Uh, read the Bible, and if you've, you've made conclusions about God, religion, without even reading the Bible, we encourage you to do so. And that's why we're here today. So my prayer then is that goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our life. And I thank God in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And we'll see you next time.
1: Amen.